you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. Well, it finally happened. We knew this day was coming, but who knew it would take over 80 episodes? David finally cries on the show. (laughs) What got me all choked up? Well, stick around until the end of the show to find out. Plus, this week, we've created swipe copy verbiage for you to use to help out our guest, Elena Jokum, and her mission to help the LGBT community across the state of Ohio. Just click the More button in iTunes or go to the show notes page to get yours. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. So welcome, Elena Jokum, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Would you mind sharing with our audience a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. As you said, my name is Elena Jokum. I'm the executive director of Equality Ohio, which is the statewide LGBTQ education and advocacy organization in the state of Ohio. I'm an attorney by practice. I worked at a large law firm in Cleveland for several years, but I've always had a personal and professional passion for LGBTQ equality. And so when the Defense of Marriage Act decision came down on June 26, 2013, I actually remember driving across our very big state of Ohio (laughs) for a case of mine. And I said, my gosh, there is a new opportunity for Ohio to make games in a way that I just didn't see before. And so I worked to switch to come to Equality Ohio and get into this work full time. And I'm also very proud to be a board member of Ohio Business Competes, which is a project of Equality Ohio, Trans Ohio, the ACLU of Ohio, and the Human Rights Campaign, focused on the business argument for LGBTQ equality. Exactly. Awesome. And Ohio Business Competes is why you're here today. David and I talk a lot about in our shows and our writing about how there are still 29 states where there aren't LGBT protections, uh, sexual orientation or gender identity protections for employment and services and housing. And it's great that Ohio Business Competes is advocating for that in Ohio. What is your responsibility specifically with Ohio Business Competes? Yeah, so we are trying to build out this coalition and businesses that are part of Ohio Business Competes. It's a no cost, nonpartisan coalition of businesses coming together, lending the power of their brand, their reputation, and the fact that they are doing business in Ohio to say, State of Ohio, you need to have laws protecting LGBTQ people in those areas of housing, employment, and public accommodations because it's good for business. You know, we always like to say our governor says Ohio is open for business. And this coalition in response says, well, you're not really open for business if you're not open to all talent. It's hard for us as businesses to recruit or retain uh, the best and brightest talent when our policies may support LGBTQ folks. Certainly Procter & Gamble has very inclusive policies at their firm level. But when the statewide policies don't match that, why would we be able to attract the best and brightest talent from across the nation to our headquarters in Cincinnati or just outside of Cincinnati? where those protections literally can be lost on a person's commute into our corporate headquarters. So Ohio Business Competes is really focusing on that economic argument that this is good for business. And so these members were working to build uh, the coalition out to, we're at 275 right now. We're hoping to get to 300 by the end of the year. Um, We're trying to get more and more voices as part of this. That's great. So the concern then is that 
even though a company might have sexual orientation or gender identity protections for their firm or their company, that because there aren't municipal or state level protections, that that creates sort of a vortex anyway and sends LGBT people who might be the best at that particular job to a different state where they have those protections. That's exactly right. And one of the arguments we hear all the time is that young people who may even come to Ohio to our universities or are from Ohio and are attending an Ohio university, they're leaving the state. They're going to states like Colorado that have these protections in place. They're going to New York um, rather than staying in what they consider to be a hostile state, even if some of the wonderful companies that are based in Ohio do have these protections at the local level, they don't see a way to raise their families in the outlying suburbs that don't have these protections or the rural areas that don't have these protections. You bring up an interesting point of the number of young people who may be leaving the state. And one of the things that John and I are usually, I don't want to say necessarily surprised by, I guess enthused by, is the number of young people, especially millennials who demand this, even though they themselves don't identify as queer. And the fact that there are, I think the number is around 70% say that it is important for an employer to have protections for the LGBTQ community. If they're demanding that of an employer, we're going to start to see that they're going to demand that at the state and city level and and federal level, hopefully. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. And I have to tell you, I'm actually, I'm a cusper millennial, but I do fall into that category <laughs> in the fact that when I was looking at law firms, this was my primary search point. I was looking to see what firms were recruiting at Lavender Law. What was their human rights campaign corporate equality index score? Did they have a value for LGBTQ equality? And I am a cisgender straight woman. And that value matters to me because of my friends, my family, and the culture that I want to be working in. So I tell that story to companies all the time that you're not just searching to attract the best and brightest LGBTQ talent. This is a demand of the millennial generation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And with the number of millennials that there are, <laughs> they'll dictate the changes in the country. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It gives me hope. It gives me hope. And the businesses... Responding to this gives me hope as well. When I talk about Ohio Business Competes with businesses, I'm proud to say that it's not a question of yes or no usually. It's simply a matter of when, how to get the ask to the right person within the company to show that it aligns with their business's values and that they need to channel that power of their brand into asking our state to change its laws to match its own policies. Mm -hmm. So it's Interesting, when we first connected with Ohio Business Competes, we had just published an article in Forbes on behalf of the small business majority where they did recently did a survey that said 65% of small business owners, so those who have 100 employees or less, said that they didn't believe a business should be able to discriminate against an LGBT people as customer or as an employee because yes. it hurts the overall economy. Yes, that's right. And what's nice about Ohio Business Competes is that we are looking for businesses and have businesses on the coalition of all sizes. We're talking about the ice cream shop down the street to the mid-sized law firm that may have 30 to 50 employees to the large corporate headquarters, Abercrombie & Fitch based in Ohio as well. It is often a question that we get. They say, okay, well, I understand that Abercrombie and Fitch or Procter and Gamble might be on your list, but what about the small mom and pop shop? 
And no, small business majority study shows that this is a value across the business sector more widely and specifically among smaller businesses as well. They know that it's good for business to be welcoming and inclusive of all. Then why are we still having this discussion? <laughs> well, it's 2017. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if such a large percentage of the population, i.e. millennials, and so many small business owners, and in my experience, and I don't have data to support it, large corporations, all support this inclusivity, I don't understand why we're having this discussion. Yeah. And that I think is a shock for so many of us. You know, we have data in Ohio that eight out of 10 Ohioans don't realize this isn't the law already. And we have to actually educate that no, LGBTQ people live in fear in Ohio to be their true authentic selves because it isn't in our protections. And then once people are educated on that fact, most people, a very vast majority of people do want to change the laws. And so we do actually have movement on a bill in Ohio that would add these protections at the state level. It's HB 160, and it would add sexual orientation and gender identity everywhere that other protected classes enjoy non-discrimination protections in Ohio. And so, in fact, that question has come up and said, why will it be any different? This bill has been introduced essentially for over a decade without too much movement on it. But I do think it is the power of the business voice moving this forward that is the game changer now. Once our legislators understand that there's an economic component to this, that cities in Ohio all competed for Amazon in the last you know, month of their bid, but we are all at a disadvantage as cities in Ohio, unless they've passed local non-discrimination protections at a local level. But Ohio is disadvantaged as a state because even the surrounding suburbs to that municipality that may have passed a local law, they don't have those protections. Why would Amazon choose to come to Ohio when it values diversity and inclusion as a business proposition? It puts us out of the running. And so when we tell that story to our legislators, when these businesses as part of Ohio Business Competes are able to share their values as aligning with economic growth in Ohio, that seems to be a game changer. And so we're hoping that 2018 will prove that there's some movement on this bill and that we might have a better shot at passing it. Do you think that the fact that marriage equality did become the law of the land over the last five years and that there has kind of been a relaxing of awareness of the differences or the um, inequities that people in general have thought to themselves because marriage equality is legal, then all these other things must automatically be legal as well? Absolutely. Marriage equality was a huge victory. And especially to the allied community, it was perceived as, oh, well, we've achieved everything for the LGBTQ community now. So there were lawyer geeks like me who were really excited about that decision and really hoping that in the language, there was going to be some discussion that sexual orientation was actually a protected class worthy of heightened scrutiny. Because that would be a whole new way into protecting LGBTQ people in their workplaces, their homes, and in the public sphere. But unfortunately, the decision fell slightly short of that. I'm very happy with it, thrilled that it brought marriage equality, but it did nothing for these basic fundamental lack of protections in housing and employment and public accommodations. And so what it set up was this cognitive dissonance. You know, I've been in the movement for much longer than a decade and would have never expected that marriage equality would have come before these basic non-discrimination protections. Right. Here we are. So you have a situation where you have the couple that I know in a rural part of Ohio that 
they celebrate marriage. They are happy. They are theoretically excited about the idea of marriage. But as a lesbian couple that is older, um, one of them working in a factory where they are not out at their job and they are not out to their neighbors and they know their neighbors are overtly hostile to LGBTQ people, they say that marriage isn't accessible to them, that they can't actually marry themselves because it would out them in these other spaces in their life. And so there's just this cognitive dissonance that you have this constitutional protection that some people can't even exercise because they don't have the basic protections elsewhere. Right. Yeah. It's hard. I'm sorry. I just have to cringe because John and I have in the last, I don't know, maybe three months, we did a podcast on actually episode 54 about the financial reasons at the social security level, why especially older LGBT couples need to be thinking about getting married, why it's so important for them financially to do this. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's just, it's hard when you're in a state like Ohio. And as you said, there's 29 other states like us where it's literally a patchwork of protections. If local protections are even available at all, there are three states in the country that currently prohibit local municipalities from passing human rights ordinances or non-discrimination ordinances. Those are North Carolina, Tennessee, and Arkansas. Ohio, luckily, is not one of those states, and we've been very successful at helping cities pass local protections. But guys, there are 922 distinct municipalities in my state. That will take a long time to go right. to every single one of them, right? I'm proud yeah. that we've gotten to 19 so far. <laughs> there are 19 big cities in this big state that we have, but believe it or not, that only covers about 20% of Ohioans to give them access to some remedy. And at the local level, those remedies are pretty, um, they're not as robust as they certainly could be at the state level. Only 20% of Ohioans have access to any sort of recourse if they experience this discrimination. Yeah. It's interesting. And I'm so thankful that you brought up this example of this lesbian couple who lives in a, did you say a rural area or? Yes. Okay. And it's actually not that rural. It's, it's about 45 minutes outside one of our larger cities, but it's night and day culturally. Right. And that was what I was going to bring up, that we say that a fairly large percentage of the LGBT community lives in the urban core or in large municipalities. But the reality is, is that there's a significant number of us who do not. Absolutely. And for those of us who live in the larger cities, it feels like 2017. But for some of the others, it may still feel like 1969. Absolutely. Because they are still in fear of, like you said, being their true selves. And even in fear of their basic and fundamental safety. I mean, that is something that we hear a lot of stories of people who are fearful for being out or experiencing verbal or physical harassment just for expressing affection to their same-sex partner. We've had five murders of transgender women of color in Ohio in as many years. This is a real safety issue as a fundamental baseline let alone when we talk about the economic ramifications of not being able to provide for your family because you can't necessarily secure safe housing or your job. Well, and I think it's also that you might have a job, but if you can't be, like we've talked about before, like on our first podcast with Jay Allen, if you can't be your authentic, honest self at work, then you have to waste energy to hide yourself. And then you can't give your best to your employer or to your manager. And that thwarts progress for the company itself. Exactly. And that's actually why I think we are seeing such a positive response to the Ohio Business Competes Coalition, 
because businesses are recognizing that. Some of our larger businesses have been, you know, changing their policies over the last decade because they realize, oh, if we provide a supportive environment where everybody can be their authentic self, we get the best from our employees. We retain talent. We know how expensive it is to replace talent that leaves. How can we keep that talent longer? But we're now seeing that excitement extend to smaller businesses, to mid-level businesses. And as you see from that small business majority report, to very small businesses, that voice channeling to our state legislators and elected leaders to say, if you can make this a little easier for all of us by just changing the state policy, we can all be on the same page and not have this disconnect between what our state laws say and what our internal policies might say as a company. Right. So Ohio Business Compete's strategy then to go to as many businesses or organizations throughout Ohio to advocate for them to advocate to the state level? Yes. So it's really the coalition itself. um, We're very clear that it's nonpartisan. It's not tied to a specific piece of legislation. It really is the statement of values that we want statewide non-discrimination protections. But the coalition serves sort of two fundamental purposes. First is offensive. When we do get a good bill that would add these protections at the state level, It gives businesses the opportunity to speak out in support of it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, HB 160, which I mentioned earlier, um, it is going to get a hearing in early 2018. And we are so excited about this, guys, because it has been almost a decade since the bill got proponent testimony, which is when you get the chance to give your your for, your pro case to legislators. So we've done an all call to the list and the list has responded with gusto. And many businesses have already prepared testimony to submit in support of that when that opportunity happens. But the secondary purpose of the coalition is also defensive. We know what happened in North Carolina. We know what happened in Indiana. When bad bills, bathroom bills, were put forward, the business community was appalled. And this is a way for us to quickly communicate and accelerate our business community to oppose a bad bill were one to come forward in Ohio so that we can protect against and quickly mobilize against what we saw happen in North Carolina, where the PayPal's of the world were pulling out business and not continuing major projects there. I know I read that the economic devastation from HB2 in North Carolina was 3.76 billion dollars in lost business. Wow. Yeah. This is probably not something you can answer, but how do the legislatures justify that? (laughs) Well, and that's, that's just exactly it, is that once I think our legislators recognize that there is an economic component to this, it's hard for them to ignore us. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, this is the right thing to do. This is a civil right. This is this is a human right. And it's also costing our state business. So right. we do think that sometimes that language speaks to our conservative legislators more clearly. Perhaps they haven't yet had the experience of having a transgender niece or nephew or having an LGBT person in their Uh, peer group come out to them. Because we know that visibility is the most important thing to change hearts and minds. But when they can see that their businesses in their district are saying, hey, this matters to me from an economic standpoint, we're not attracting the best and brightest talent, we're not getting the best business contracts in our region because we're perceived as not being truly welcoming or aligning with that business's values. That's a whole other way to speak to our legislators about this need for this legislation. 
Right. And the statistic, I think it came out last year, so it hasn't been updated, but the purchasing power of the LGBTQ community was $971 billion. Be with a uh, billion with a uh, be with a billion. Billion with a billion. <laughs> you, you get it. <laughs> Absolutely right. Right. So if that purchasing power is gravitating towards those 21 states that have protections and away from those 29 that don't, the economic advantage that those states are going to continue to have is going to become apparent. And Absolutely. unfortunately, we know that so many of our politicians rely on financial support to stay in office. They're not going to get that financial support. No, absolutely. And we know the power of the dollar, it operates in other ways too for the LGBTQ dollars. Um, meeting and convention planners say that they will not book in a state that has bad laws. 47% of meeting and convention planners would avoid booking in a state that has anti-LGBTQ legislation. That stat comes from meeting and conventions magazines. But we also know anecdotally in Ohio that there is a serious market to compete for LGBTQ-themed conferences or other organizational meetings, and that our chambers of commerce have a very hard time. We get phone calls about it, have a very hard time encouraging those conferences to come to Ohio because we don't have those basic fundamental protections. I don't know if you know this, but Ohio actually hosted the gay games. I didn't know that. No. Yeah, we hosted the Cleveland, Ohio and Akron, Ohio, two cities very close to each other, shared the gay games a couple years ago. And it was a huge pull to try to get those games to come to our state. And frankly, it was convincing them that you need to come to a state to bring awareness to this disparity, to the fact that we are one of those 29 states lacking these protections. And it took convincing. We were glad that we were able to attract them. It brought in just thousands of people from around the world. I actually was able to personally participate and be part of the festivities because I'm physically based in Cleveland. Yeah. It was joyous and amazing. And for every gay games that we attracted, we lose 10 more because they're not willing to make that sort of public statement about the disconnect in our protections. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Yeah. yeah. I keep coming back to the same question I asked earlier. I don't understand why we're still having this discussion. Right. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it does bring up a good point because we've even heard this, unfortunately, from within our own community. We had received messages on social media from individuals who identify as LGBTQ who say that these discriminations don't happen anymore. And so I'd be kind of curious to hear what you're saying or what you are seeing firsthand in the state of Ohio as results of not having these protections. Yeah, I guess I would say to those folks who write into you about that, I'm grateful that they haven't personally experienced this, but that's just simply not the case for the vast majority of LGBTQ folks that we interact with in a state like Ohio. I think sometimes, you mentioned this earlier, folks who live in a bigger city, perhaps, feel safer, feel that they can be out. They don't think twice, perhaps, about reaching for their partner's hand. But that is not the lived reality for folks just even 15 minutes sometimes outside of one of the larger cities in a state like Ohio. Some of the anecdotes that we have, these are stories we've gotten from interacting in the fields, calls that come to our office. A woman who recently had a stellar phone interview, but when she came in to sign the hiring paperwork, the job is suddenly no longer available 
once the person across the table from her perceived her to be transgender. And a similar story, personal friend of mine who ready, willing and able to buy a house shows up to complete the transaction and is told by the owner of the house, my neighbors don't want to live next to someone like you, perceiving her to be transgender. We know that there's also that subtle form of discrimination. When your hours are suddenly cut, when it comes out that you are married to your same-sex partner, Mm. or you are given the undesirable shifts to the person who is undergoing transition, that we hear about a lot, or suddenly you just never get called back. You're never formally fired, but you're not called back to work after you begin transitioning. This happens all the time. I wish that I could say that we didn't hear this, but we do. We're on the front lines. And in preparing testimony for this bill, sadly, there are so many of these stories to be able to bring forward, to share. We're just grateful that people are courageous in sharing them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. We do hear that surprising amount, not a ton, but it does surprise me sometimes. And I think those of us who are in these protected cities, I guess, so to speak, we kind of have this myopic view that's this way everywhere. And then we get surprised when a law passes in a state that we're like, I can't believe that's even going to pass. (laughs) So it's, it's incumbent upon us to be aware of what's going on outside of New York, San Francisco, Denver, San Diego, Chicago. So are there organizations like yours in these other 28 states? Yeah, there are. Um, there are. This is, you know, a problem we're facing in a whole lot of our states, unfortunately. And so business coalitions like Ohio Business Competes have been forming. They're not coordinated at a national level per se, because every state is different and unique. But the two that come to mind pretty readily are Texas Competes. Texas Competes has been around a little bit longer than some of us. And they have, I think they're up to 1300 businesses standing in support And that coalition was so important in this last special legislative session that was put together just to put forward some anti-LGBTQ bills. And that coalition was very, very important in helping to stop those bad anti-bills in Texas. Florida also has a business coalition that's pretty active. They're in a similar situation as Ohio. They're beating back some bad bills, but maybe have some hope at advancing a positive bill in the next session or so. So yes, this coalition style advocacy model is forming across the country. That's great. So those of us who live, and I might be jumping a little bit ahead here, but those of us who live in these states where we are fortunate enough to have these protections, what can we do to help in these other states? Oh, first of all, exactly what you're doing right now. Thank you so much for the space to have this conversation at a nationwide level about the fact that this disparity exists, about the fact that it's 2017 and oh my God, we're still having this conversation, right? But we really are. And this argument is hugely important to helping change our elected leaders' hearts and minds. We know that meeting one-on-one with LGBTQ people is the number one way to be visible, to change people's lives, to make people realize that they know someone who's transgender, they know someone who's lesbian. However, the fact that their state or their local municipality 
is losing business and not attracting the best business, losing their millennials to other cities or to other states. Getting that message out is just hugely helpful to making people realize that there is an economic component to this. So Queer Money, thank you. Thank you for taking this on. <laughs> You're welcome. welcome. We also and, have um, some business contacts in Ohio, yeah. so we're going to put some pressure on them if they're not already <laughs> so, part of the, your organization. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And that's the next thing I was going to say is really to take a look in your state, ohiobusinesscompetes.org. You'll see our website, you'll see our members, and you'll see a lot of names that you recognize on that page. These are any business that's doing business in Ohio is welcome to join this. So it doesn't have to be based in Ohio. Abercrombie and Fitch, Dairy Queen signed on, KeyBank has signed on, Metro Health, any business doing business in Ohio, please join. No cost, nothing. It's as simple as a click. And that is how most of the business coalitions have been set up in other states, in Florida, in Texas, in Pennsylvania, in Arizona, for example. So just type in LGBTQ equality and business, and you'll probably be directed to the competes model for your state and an organization similarly advocating like we are. Awesome. That's great. Thank we can you. certainly do that. Yes, definitely. We've got a little platform we can get the message out on. Yes, <laughs> we'll definitely. Okay. We're happy to do so. Where can our listeners find out more about Ohio Business Competes and on social media and elsewhere? Absolutely. Our Ohio Business Competes website is actually just ohiobusinesscompetes.org. You'll see right on our home page that there's a big button that says join the coalition. It's amazing. Sometimes I will have wonderful interactions with a business and they say, how do I sign on? And they assume it's this process or they have to get approvals or check. Nope. It's as simple as clicking the red button, join the coalition, providing some basic information about essentially who at your business you want to receive the communications about opportunities to advance good bills and to stop bad bills. And you always, as a business, by the way, have a choice as to how you interact with those bills. The coalition is not tied to our particular bill. You always get that simply as an opportunity to engage. So ohiobusinesscompetes.org. We have a Facebook page as well. You can just interact with us that way. And then really look for updates from me and the other board members about those opportunities and challenges that we experience. We don't spam you. We really very rarely engage the list outside of giving you information about what opportunities or challenges are at hand. Nice. Well, I'm happy to find out that you exist and I'm happy to hear some of the data that you're providing about how positive laws seem to be popping up here. And it sounds like, if I'm correct, in, on November 7th, Ohio elected 11 openly LGBT people to public we office. Sure, we sure that's, did. Jeez, it's got to be one of the largest in the country at that one yeah. time. <laughs> you know, I actually don't know compared to the rest of the country, but for Ohio, it was a watershed moment. It really is the largest showing of openly LGBTQ people we've seen elected ever and just really encouraging. And those are folks seeing themselves in elected positions. They are influencing the next generation of folks saying, hey, I can be a mayor. I can be a council member. I can be a state representative. And that's just so encouraging to changing the lived reality. We always talk about legal equality and lived equality. Legal equality is changing laws. Lived equality is changing hearts and minds. One doesn't necessarily translate to the other, so you always have to be working at both simultaneously. And having more and more people be visible, absolutely, as an attorney, I love it, results in better laws. But most importantly, it results in a change of culture and lived equality and visibility. Thank you for saying that. It's one of the reasons David and I 
advocate all the time, especially when we speak publicly for more LGBT people to strive for positions of leadership, to become their own entrepreneurs, to seek the CEO positions, the executive positions, because the more visible you are, the more you can get other people to realize that you're more than your sexual orientation and your gender identity. You have a lot to contribute to society. And when people start to see what you have to contribute, they'll start not being so concerned about the unimportant things. That's right. And you will inspire a whole new set of people that you didn't even know are looking to you. Absolutely. Exactly. Well, Alana, thank you so much for your time today. We yes. appreciate this is great information. I'm excited to know that you're around and we're happy to do whatever we can to help support Ohio Business Competes and any other competes organization around the country. Exactly. <laughs> so much. And, and could I give one last plug since this is a Queer Money podcast? Yeah, totally. Um, to your audience and your audience cares. Think about LGBTQ equality work as an investment. I'm guessing that some of your podcasts focus on charitable giving. I'm guessing that they focus on, you know, using your dollars to show where your values are. There are equality organizations in every single state. There are local LGBTQ centers in every single state. Find one of those, make them part of your charitable giving. Support national organizations like the Equality Federation, which is an organization that supports statewide coalitions like us in doing this policy-directed work. Support national organizations like the Human Rights Campaign that are working to change policies at the federal level. Your investment will help us make an economically more vibrant country, state, and at the local level. Your dollars matter in investing in this work. Absolutely. I'll 100% agree with you there. John and I have made it our mission in life. We have three things that we focus on. One is that we love to travel. Uh, two, that we want to have a safe and comfortable retirement. And three is giving back to our community because we are so grateful that we get to walk down the street holding our hands. And there are lots of people who can't do that. That's right. I'm grateful that you can, and we're working to make it so that everybody can. Absolutely. And to me, that speaks to the need for more in our community to become fiscally responsible, to save, to invest, so that they have that time and the money to be able to give back to our community, to advocate for the social change that we need. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity and for what you're doing, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Elena, for all the work you're doing as a cis, straight woman for the LGBTQ community. We need more men and women like you in the world fighting for equality. Thanks also for reminding me how fortunate I am to live in a place where I have such amazing freedoms. I can't take that for granted. If you want to help Elena get the word out in Ohio, click the More button in iTunes or go to the show notes page and get the exact verbiage you can use in an email to businesses that operate in Ohio. Also, stay tuned to Debt Free Guys in 2018 as we bring you the Queer Money Makeover to help you eliminate your debt and live bigger. Thank you, and until next time, live fabulously, not fabulously broke. Okay. We just serviced you, now you get to service us by subscribing to this podcast on iTunes and signing up for the Queer Money Lifestyle newsletter at queer.money. Well, I'm not really gay. <laughs> <laughs> it would help me if I had a personal chef made all my all healthy meals for me. Right. So instead I'll have a Snickers tonight for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the other end, I like the butts, so... <laughs> yeah. uh, From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the Road. 
Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.